Welcome to That Good May Become with me, Laura Scappatici, where we learn to illuminate the esoteric in our everyday lives. Hello, everyone. It's Laura. Oh, my goodness. We are on the second to the last chapter of How to Know Higher Worlds by Rudolf Steiner. And we are about to disrupt materialism around... Gratitude for our ancestors in a way, and also what happens after death. So I'm going to have a couple homework assignments for you here just to correspond with me. But thank you for sending me your pictures, your book pictures, and your questions and your thoughts. I really love them. I know everybody's getting super busy because we're um, in September, but guess what? Hang on. We only have these two chapters left. And then I am off to the Gertianum. So I'll tell you a little bit more about that next episode, but we're going to get started with the Guardian of the Threshold. Okay. What the heck is he talking about? What's the guardian of the threshold? I never heard of this until I came to anthroposophy. And I have to say this chapter is like a little trippy for lack of a better word. Um, Maybe you recall in some of the earlier episodes, I I said that when I first studied anthroposophy, when I first started studying anthroposophy, I had to say to myself, whenever I felt this like sort of biting uh, skepticism come in, I just would say, well, okay, why not? Why not? There's a lot of other stuff I just believe in without, you know, or accept really without thinking about it. So I'm just going to be like, why not? So here we go. Why not? Why not the guardian of the threshold? Okay. So your first homework question is, how did this guardian of the threshold concept land for you? Maybe you don't know yet because you're just going to listen to the chapter. <laughs> then you can tell me. Um, I'd like to know, like, what what are you imagining when you read about the guardian? Um, there are actually two guardians. The next chapter is about a guardian too. So I'd love to know your imaginations and how it landed for you, if you can relate it to other spiritual paths or anything you've um, that's happened in your life. But I get what he's saying. Um, he also talks about a threshold is another concept I didn't really ever hear anybody talk about before I encountered anthroposophy. And I've heard it mostly when um, anthroposophers talk about death. So they'll they'll say, oh, yes, so she crossed the threshold at 12 a.m. yesterday. And I'm like, oh, she crossed the threshold. People say, oh, she she crossed over or she passed or she whatever. So um but when anthroposophists are saying it's not like really a euphemism, like they're actually talking about <laughs> a threshold, um, this kind of portal or gate to the spiritual world or the next world that with training, we should be able to kind of go back and forth through while we're walking around on earth. Um, if you've ever heard of the class lessons, they are um, a series of the kind of mantras and spiritual lessons that Rudolf Steiner gave. You have to like get a card to go in and hear these lessons. We can talk about that some other time. Um, but he talks a lot about the guardian in there and um, is really training us to be able to meet this this guardian in our in our life and be able to kind of go back and forth and see the world this way. 
Okay. So here's my second question for you. Um, on page 190, he is in fact saying that understanding meeting this guardian now is preparing us for death. And he talks about that. And he's basically saying, if we've come this far, the world that we enter when we die is already open to us. And after dying, it's going to remain open to us. So it's not going to feel completely unfamiliar, though challenging. You'll hear the challenges. Um, so my question to you, and I, I always want to know this about everybody, is what are your beliefs about death? Like, what do you feel happens when you die? What's your experience, your understanding? Um, let me know. I'm, I'm really curious about this. I do, as I've told you before, have a whole season on death and dying and connecting with the dead, but it's something that I feel really interested in. Um, and afraid of, but also curious about because we all experience it with the people around us or some of us have come very close to it too. So, all right. All right. We are going to encounter this guardian right here on earth. And I think I have this really funny picture of the guardian in my head, like <laughs> so, kind of like, um, what is it? What's the scary ghost in, <laughs> in Christmas Carol, the ghost of the of Christmas future or something like that. It's like this very um, ominous sort of thing. But he does say that it's thoroughly horrid looking and a ghostly being. So um, okay, Guardian, I'm a little nervous to meet you uh, if I ever get this far in my training, but I'm going to be prepared because I've watched Christmas Carol, both Muppet Christmas Carol, as well as the one with Bill Murray, which is my favorite one because I love him. Okay. Uh, it's Its function is to warn us not to go any further along this path unless we feel ready for the challenges that the Guardian addresses. And I'm going to read you a kind of a longish passage in a minute. But remember, by the time we're meeting this guardian, we have been practicing. We've gone from the seed meditation to managing our emotions, to controlling our thoughts. We've done a ton of work. We've learned a lot. Our willing, our thinking, our feeling have split and they're under our control. Like we are at the helm of this ship. And you know, we understand our dream life. There are all these things. We've done a lot of practice, which is why I probably need to do this book again next summer, right? Um, but here we go. We've done this and we're prepared. So I'm going to read you this long passage from page 185. This is a short chapter, so I don't think this podcast episode will be long, but I felt like it was important just to read this whole thing for people that aren't reading the book. Can you hear me turning my pages? All right, here we go. Says the guardian then reveals the meaning of this moment when we when we meet this guardian in words, somewhat as follows. Up to now, unseen by you, mighty powers presided over you. Through all the previous courses of your lives, they brought it about that every good deed was followed by its reward, and every evil action was followed by its grievous consequences. Through their influence, your character was formed out of your life experiences and thoughts. They were the agents of your destiny. They determined on the basis of your conduct in previous lives, the measure of joy and pain allotted to you in each of your incarnations. They ruled over you in the form of the all-embracing law of karma. These powers will now begin to loosen the reins by which they guide you. 
Now you yourself must do some of the work they did for you before. Up to now, you endured many heavy blows of fate. You did not know why. Each was the consequence of a damaging deed done in a previous life. You found joy and happiness and took these as you found them. These, too, were the result of earlier actions. You have many beautiful sides to your character and many ugly flaws. You yourself produce these through your past experiences and thoughts. Up to now, you were unaware of this. Only that the effects were known to you. But the karmic powers witnessed all your former actions and even your most secret thoughts and feelings. And on that basis, they determined who you are now and how you live in your present incarnation. Now, however, all the good and bad aspects of your past lives are to be revealed to you. You will see them for yourself. They have been interwoven with your being all along. They were in you, and you could not see them, just as you cannot see your brain with your eyes. Now, however, your past actions are separating themselves from you, stepping out of your personality. They are assuming an independent form, one that you can see as you can see the stones and plants of the outside world. I am that self-same being who made a body for itself out of your good and your wicked deeds. My ghostly form is spun, so to speak, from the account book of your life. Up to now, you have carried me invisibly within you. It was for your sake that this was so. It meant that the hidden wisdom of your destiny continued to work within you to eliminate the ugly spots in my appearance. Now that I have come forth from you, this hidden wisdom has also left you and will take care of you no longer. Instead, it puts the work into your own hands. I myself, if I am not to fall into corruption, must become a perfect and glorious being. For were I to fall, I would drag you down with me into a dark, corrupted world. To prevent this, your own wisdom must be great enough to take over the task previously performed by the hidden wisdom now departed from you. I shall never leave your side once you have crossed my threshold. I shall always be there beside you in a form you can perceive. From then on, whenever you think or act wrongly, you will immediately see your fault as an ugly demonic distortion in my appearance. My being will be changed and become radiantly beautiful only when you have made amends for all your wrongs and have so purified yourself that you become incapable of further evil. Then too, I shall be able to unite with you again as a single being in order to bless and benefit your further activity. My threshold is built of every feeling of fear still within you and every feeling of reluctance in the face of the strength you need to take on full responsibility for your thoughts and actions. As long as you still harbor any trace of fear at directing your own destiny, the threshold lacks an essential element. As long as a single stone is missing, you will remain on this threshold as if spellbound or stumble. Therefore, do not try to cross this threshold until you are completely free of fear 
and feel yourself ready for the highest responsibility. Until now, I have left you only when death called you from an earthly life. But even then, my form was veiled from your eyes. Only the powers of destiny presiding over you could see me. During the interval between death and rebirth, based on my appearance, they formed in you the forces and faculties to enable you to work to make me beautiful in your next life and so ensure the well-being of your progress. Just a little bit more. Thus, it was I and my imperfections that made the powers of destiny send you back to a new earthly incarnation. When you died, I was there. It was for my sake that the rulers of karma decided that you must reincarnate. If without knowing it, you were to transform and perfect me through life, forever renewed in this way. Then you could avoid falling into the powers of death. But then you would have become completely one with me and united we would pass into immortality. Last two paragraphs. So now I stand visible before you as I have always stood invisible beside you in your hour, as I've always stood invisible beside you in the hour of your death. Once you have crossed my threshold, you will enter realms you otherwise entered only after physical death. Now you will enter them in full knowledge. From now on, though living outwardly and visibly upon the earth, You will live at the same time in the realm of death, that is, in the realm of eternal life. Indeed, I am your angel of death, but at the same time, I also bring you never-ending higher life. While still living in the body, you will die through me and experience rebirth into indestructible existence. In the realm you are henceforth entering, you will meet beings of a super-sensible kind. Bliss will be your share in this realm, yet I... I, who am your own creation, must be your first acquaintance in this world. Earlier, I lived on your life, but now through you, I have awakened to an independent existence of my own and stand before you as the visible standard of your future actions, and perhaps also as a constant reproach. You have been able to create me, and in so doing, have taken on the duty of transforming me. I'm just joking. I mean, wow. Like, (laughs) that's pretty powerful. I always get a little like, oh, it's so heavy. Like, do you have to? I feel like I'm getting scolded for my bad actions, but also I feel like I'm getting inspired to do better. So, um, like I said, why not? And I, I enjoyed reading this passage because it feels pretty powerful for me. Now, he also talks about identity and lineage, family, race, nation. We know race is a difficult term in our time. I just want to remind everybody that he's writing in the context of the early 1900s. And he says that some people say, and I'll read this passage too, they're really free from race, nation, family, lineage, all those things. Um, But he's saying they're still really present in us until we meet with this guardian. And once we meet with this guardian, we go further. We don't have the foundation of what we've learned in our family, in our nation, our culture to stand on anymore. It's all gone. It's just our essence, just us there without any of that scaffolding of our personality, any of that. So I can't quite imagine how that feels. But he does tell us that we don't just have personal tasks 
to accomplish once we meet with this guardian of the threshold anymore. It's not like, you know, self-improvement for the world. We actually realize the tasks of our nation that might need to happen in the world. He says race as well. And that's on page 191. He says, as soon as we encounter the guardian of the threshold, however, we not only know our personal tasks, but also have to work consciously to help accomplish those of our people and our race. Thus, each expansion of our horizon also extends the sphere of our responsibility. And he says this, you know, right from the beginning, this is what he talks about. You know, you take a a step towards this and you need to take three more steps towards the evolution, the positive evolution of humanity. So he's saying you get to this point and you actually have more responsibility. So yes, you're going to have some freedom. And he talks about that at the end, but also you're going to have more responsibility with every step you take on this path. And I, I do feel that, like, I feel like I'm awakening to some of my... Oh, bad habits and like things in my thinking maybe or in my speech in particular. And I'm like, oh goodness, there's so much work to do there. So it's not just great. Now I can like talk to gnomes and fairies. I'm totally making a joke, but like I can't, I also have to keep refining myself and maybe making this guardian not so ugly. Okay. Um, page 192, he brings it back to gratitude um, for our ancestors. He says, while many people certainly believe they have freed themselves fully from all tribal and racial connections and are simply human and nothing else, we have to wonder what made this freedom possible for them. After all, were they not given their place in the world by their family and have not their lineage, nation, and race made them what they are? Their lineage, nation, and race have taught and educated them. They owe their ability to transcend tribal and racial prejudices to this education. Lineage, nation, and race have enabled them to become the light bearers and benefactors of their tribe or even their race. Thus, even though these people claim to be no more than simply human, they owe the ability to make such claims to the spirits of their communities. In fact, only when we follow the path to inner knowledge will we all experience what it really means to have left behind all tribal, national, and racial connections and to be abandoned by the spirits of nation, tribe, and race. So he gives us this warning later, like, do not cross my threshold until you fully understand that you yourself now have to eliminate the darkness before you. Do not take a single step forward until you are absolutely sure that you have enough fuel in your own lamp because the lamps of those who have guided you up to now will no longer be there in the future. So that's the end of the chapter. Uh, And he's, you know, again, not without drama. There is, but it's with this, it's the seriousness that he's talking about here of when we really have to stand on our own. I I always appreciate that he brings up this gratitude. Like I would challenge you, okay, do you want one more homework assignment? I would challenge you this week to think of the people in your people, whatever he means by the people there, your culture, your family, one person to be grateful for. 
maybe three people to be grateful for. See how far you can get and be specific in that gratitude. Like, I'm really thankful to, you know, my Syrian side of my family, especially my dad, for having this huge garden in the backyard where I started to feel. I understood food and fresh food and connection to the earth. And this was important. This was just something we did. We grew our own food. And that's because he grew up in Syria and grew his own food there. And his family did that. And there wasn't a supermarket per se. Um, there were people selling things, but not in the way that I can just run over to Rayleigh's or Sprouts or wherever I'm going to go co-op and get my food. So some gratitude there. And then how far back can that go? That's kind of a surface level example, but it can go back further and further. So when we hear people talking about thanking ancestors, and some of you do this, this is what we're talking about. And imagine, you know, what is the task? What is the task of your people? And then what is it like to stand without all that scaffolding around you and to stand in your essence and move forward with responsibility and these capacities? Okay. Just a light little podcast for today. No big deal. Um, <laughs> we are on to the last chapter next week. So I am so excited to hear from you this week. I'm so excited to conclude the book club next week. And thank you for joining me. And please do share. Keep sharing it with friends. And um, send me your notes on Instagram or Facebook or wherever you can connect with me. Sign up for my newsletter at lauraskapatici.com. And we'll stay in touch once the season is done. Thank you.